0: Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Rangers Rundown. I am Max. I'm joined by Hayden. Hey guys. And Mike. Good evening. The fearsome threesome is back together. And we've watched a bunch of Rangers baseball. Or we've pretended to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and they, they've, they've these have been games that are a great time to watch uh, winning the the most
0: watchable baseball basketball wow I'm Mm -hmm. thinking too much of the maps. apparently the most uh, watchable basketball that Dallas has put together in weeks and I've been busy oops sorry
1: it's been been fun to watch uh, lots of runs scoring Uh, you have to include the asterisk that it's against the woeful American League Central yeah but you know, and the Padres. Just, yeah, and the Padres. I mean, they're, and, and the uh, the Rockies, too. Uh, there There is a point <sighs> to say, you know, oh, well, you know, you just got to beat the teams on your schedule, which is true, mm-hmm. but also those teams are extremely terrible. I mean, extremely. They're awful. Awful. Well,
2: I mean,
0: since being swept by Houston, we've played <laughs> nothing but the NL West and AL Central, which are, like, mm-hmm. surprisingly the two worst divisions in baseball.
1: Yeah, no, without question. It's like, it's the, an easy call. The
0: NL West has some great players and some solid teams, but Los Angeles has been sort of lost all season. The Rockies are... Mismatched and not succeeding as an organization. The Diamondbacks are my favorite team. Sorry, that sounds really cruel, but.
1: Oh, man, boy. Charlie
0: was, Blackman, what's up? Uh,
1: not succeeding as an organization.
0: Sorry, I mean, it's I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. <laughs> and I said that as a fan of the Texas Rangers, a team that is yeah. historically a phenomenal organization. Just so many playoff series in our history we were a regular world series contender from 1972 until 1996 i think <laughs> right like absolutely every other year you always saw texas in the playoffs it's what we did
1: one, yeah one way or another they just found a way to win okay yeah. anyways Woo.
2: <laughs> anyways anyway but
0: you know on some level you expect a team to win games I think a lot of teams look at Texas on their schedule this year and go, yeah, we can pick up two games in that series. Mm. But when Texas looks at a team like Chicago or the Royals or the Padres, you should expect to win two out of three, three out of four. These are – for, for as much as we want to give Texas grief for not being a very good team this year, they're not the Padres or the Royals or whatever. Like, you can get worse.
2: Or the White Sox.
0: Yeah. Whew. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was, that was, oof. it was a, a comedy of errors, literally, watching, <laughs> watching them try to field. Come on, man. Balls. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> come on. It That's was some low lying free right there. It was bad. It was really, really bad. But it was fun. I mean, I'm like I mean, excited to watch Rangers baseball. I actually watched three major league and one minor league game this weekend. I watched four games between Friday and today, so. Okay, well, what was your minor league game? Let's <laughs> was, talk about uh, something positive. Well, it was Frisco. They were on Fox Sports Southwest tonight, and um, I had to um, leave watching the game to start the podcast. So I don't know how it ended up, but they were well, winning when I left. But um, What an enormous cool ass would make you leave that game to <laughs> record a podcast. It's okay. It's okay, because... Uh, Scores—it's—it's kind of like spring training. The scores are meaningless. You want to see how the real talent is doing. And uh, on on stage tonight was Jonathan Hernandez, and he struggled a little bit since uh, getting the promotion from mm-hmm. uh, from down east. And tonight he looked phenomenal. He he was locating all of his pitches. He was starting off every hitter zero and two. It seemed like I mean he was just going right after them. And they just didn't know what to do. And and at one point he retired like eight in a row, I believe. And then he tired in the uh, in the seventh inning. He um, had a shutout going into the seventh. He gave up a walk and then uh, give up a home run. So he left them um, having given up two runs over six and two thirds. But that was probably more fatigue than anything else. I'm going to just going to chalk that up and say that was that was a really exciting outing and. I'm going to go on on board with the prediction that Jonathan Hernandez will be a starter for the Texas Rangers in 2019. I don't hate it.
1: I would love it. It would definitely be the, I mean, when I, when I think about Jonathan Hernandez and kind of watching him sort of come out of nowhere, he was, he is on the 40 man roster, uh, but I didn't really know anything about him until this year. And, Texas, of course, we've we've talked about it, and if you are a Rangers fan at all, then you know about it. Um, not the most successful when it comes to developing pitching prospects, and you look at other extre- extremely successful organizations, such as the Cardinals, who just turn out guys that that out of their system that are are, that are extremely successful, and it's hard to, to it's hard it's hard to not be envious of that, and. I just see jonathan hernandez not as a big free agent signing not as a big trade not as a i don't remember i don't even remember how he acquired him but uh it'd be great international signing yeah it would be really great to have him sort of come out of nowhere and be really good and just like yeah yeah he's good no no big deal about it yeah he plays for the rangers he's good and he's young he turns 22 uh this week on the sixth and uh I'm really excited that he had a good start because he owned single A, he owned uh, high A, and uh, definitely got roughed up in Frisco and, but all accounts say that he was ready for the level, so you you want him to have that confidence of saying, I belong here, I I earned this, I can dominate and succeed at this level, and so I'm really, really pleased to hear that he did well tonight.
2: And and the cool thing to me is that, as you're looking towards the future, I mean, we've got A logjam when it comes to position players right now. I mean, we're trying to get at bats for everyone. It's a good problem to have, and these things have a way of sorting themselves out. But on the pitching side, it's it's just it seems so woeful, for lack of a better word. But I mean, you had Mike, Mike Miner's performance last week, and you've got Jonathan Hernandez who's knocking on the door, and you've got Joe Palumbo who. Mike Tebbitt is is insisting is gonna be in the twenty nineteen rotation. I mean that's 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 three good starting pitchers. It gives you something to hope for. Yeah. It doesn't take much else to round out a really good team.
0: You just need a couple of those guys to be either very, very good or at least very, very cheap. And that's how you build a starting rotation. Right. And if we can get if we can get a very, very good pitcher of this stuff, you know, sign me up. If Hernandez pitches like he did with Down East, you know, going up through the system and then coming into the majors, you're talking about a really, really good pitcher. If, even if you know, he's not going to be as successful at the major league level as he was in Kinston. that's let's be honest, he's he's not going to be a, a 2.2 ERA guy. I think that's everyone kind of recognizes that. Probably. But if yeah, right. But if he can turn into being a decent starter. And then maybe Joe Palumbo also turns into a decent starter or, or does better. I mean, and Palumbo was looking like maybe the highest ceiling arm in the Rangers system outside the rookie levels last year before he had Tommy John. And his last outing was really encouraging. I mean, he gave up a home run, which was unfortunate, and that's where he gave up pretty much all of his runs, but he had seven strikeouts and no walks in three innings. He struck out the side, I believe, in two innings. I think the second and third innings, he had three strikeouts. It's awesome. Yeah. And so if Joe, Joe Palumbo is turning into a, a, at least a morph, woohoo! You know, to, to the point that was being made, you need to fill out a rotation with guys who are either really, really good or who are affordable. And allow you to pay for really, really good guys. So mm-hmm. if Texas can, say, talk themselves into fielding Joe Palumbo and John Hernandez and, I don't know, maybe some sort of weird Martin Perez-Borp version of Ariel Jurado yeah. or just Martin Perez because we have older Ariel Horrado and the team yeah. and his name is Martin Perez. Right. Like, if those dudes are your three through five pitchers, Texas can say, "Yeah, let's let's put twenty twenty five mil on Patrick Corbin or you know whoever fill in the blanks." There, you need that flexibility. And if you can say that we're going to be able to get one hundred eighty innings out of a couple of these guys who are in the farm right now, oh man, sign me up! Like, when's the last time that Texas non martin Perez, who's the guy right now and he's been hurt and ineffective? When's the last time we were looking at a pitcher like that? It, Nathalie Feliz is the one that springs to mind and we made him into a closer and then we screwed with him but
2: or not, not Holland, many. or Holland I remember, I remember Holland's first start when he came up and I mean the, the post game interviews with the, the guys in the locker room they're all just like wow this is what a real prospect looks like they were so excited to have him come on board and I, I think you're going to see that with, with these guys that they're going to bring something to the table that hasn't been seen in a while and you pair that with with mike Miner, who is on the relative cheap we get on what a three-year 27 million dollar deal i think somewhere mm-hmm. around nine yeah. million a year yeah yeah it does it leaves you plenty of money to go out and spend to round out that rotation with some real badasses sure yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, we'll... I really think two to three years from now we are going to be in really good shape good shape and you know, and you know who's gonna be bringing it
0: Who's and that? by it, I mean that gasoline.
1: Ha <laughs> yes. My
0: man. My man.
1: He's everybody's man, to be fair. Hans Krauss yes. No Reigns, one can claim
0: Hans Krauss. Uh,
1: Hans Winn, effing
2: Krauss. Yes. All those
1: guys. Oh. Be, they're going to be, in 2020, they're going to be in the upper minors. And let's say, you know, you have uh, Hernandez, Palumbo, I don't know, Kyle Cody. Uh, Mike Minor uh, ah, Martin yeah. Perez you know Cody's Prado. pitching
0: this week right
1: no that's good yes
0: know. Cody pitches on Tuesday he's Sweet. making his uh, his season debut good
1: good, good. so you, you, t- you take a handful of those guys and let's say they're successful and they are cheap and affordable um, obviously you pair that with I mean we'll see what happens this trade deadline and, and with the offseason as far as do we trade any of Calhoun uh, Mazzara Elvis opting in opting out Uh, all that kind of stuff you know there there is some flexibility on the offensive side Um, but we currently do have a good nice core that would be affordable and easy to dream on and uh where i'm headed with this is like let's i just pulled up the uh the 2020 free agent starting pitchers for the 2020 offseason um just Patrick Corbin
0: and nobody else i want
1: well, no, that is not true. That is a thousand percent not true. Um, Ugh. so the list goes: Jonathan, uh, Just, Justin Verlander, uh, Felix Hernandez, Cole Hamels, uh, Irvin Santana, old, old, uh, old, old, Madison, Madison Bumgarner, Chris Sale, um, Garrett so long Cole. At the market. So, I, uh, Tanner Warwick. Mm. You're okay. You're, you're really not going to get excited at the fact that Baumgarner, Sale, um, Verlander are all going to be free agents in 2020. They're all going to be
2: old. I don't care.
1: You don't want Madison Bumgarner on your team? Are you kidding me? No, I don't actually. No. He's 28. Madison Bumgarner is 28 right now. I
2: I really don't don't like Madison Bumgarner. You don't want a 30 year old Madison Bumgarner? Are you serious? I haven't forgiven him for 2010. Sorry.
1: Oh, well, allow him to redeem himself in
2: 2020. I legitimately Uh. dislike
0: Madison Bumgarner. Also, I oh, can't yeah, trust him not to just go screw around on at an ATV and blow out an elbow or something. <laughs> that, this is true, but... Nah, Madison Bumgarner have, is like if, the definition of red ass, and yeah, I, I, we've we've got our own version, and putting him and rugged on the same team would make me actually have to admit that maybe Texas sucks, and I don't want to do that.
2: Oh, Don't, well, don't I, you ever. What I want
1: is a championship <laughs> ring, and I don't and care. And we're not
0: going to get it with 30-year-old Madison Bumgarner. Oh, okay,
1: okay, okay. I think Fight you, me. Were, you were completely wrong. You were so wrong. Fight. If me. you ha, if you had to win a single game and your life depended on it, what pitcher would you start have start that game for you? Uh, tell me, not the guy who
0: it. can't drive an ATV.
1: Oh, okay, okay. We're not having an A T V driving contest.
0: Yeah, but you um, know, the guy who had an A T V driving contest last night is not able to start for you anymore, so I'm uh, sorry.
1: Um you I mean, Greg, South, Greg Maddox, long. actually. Yeah. Greg Maddox. Times. Greg Maddox is like fifty-five if you were to old.
0: I'll take KOFAX right now. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh. I feel like you're just trying to get a rise out of me and it's working really well.
0: I've never done that in my life. I okay. would never do that. I wouldn't do that. I'm not that kind of person. Just I'm ah. I'm a very even keeled and sweet man who would never do such a thing.
1: <sighs> Hey, okay, well, last, last note here, because I do have it pulled up and I like sharing fun facts. Uh, Baumgartner, despite your opinions and whatever, whatever, you can agree that he is a good pitcher. He has been successful with the Giants. Yes. His contract is five years, $35 million.
2: Oh, my God. How did they get
1: that, that? I don't know. They signed him when he was 23.
2: How bizarre. Wow, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that might be one of the best signings yeah, of really- the last decade. Oh, yeah, and God, he's she- pitched, you know, 140 innings since 2016. Boop, boop, okay. boop, boop, yeah, Hayden, just remember that that my disdain for him has nothing to do with his ability; it has everything to do with the fact that his team beat my team in the World Series. So,
1: uh, well, I I will not care if he makes my team win the World Series in the future.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Anyways, what what else can we talk about?
0: Uh, well, if we're talking about twenty twenty free agents who hate it with (laughs) love and make Uh, the team great, uh, clearly you know Matt Kemp,
1: gonna sign that guy. Shut up. I'm all about that. Forty (laughs) seven. Is that right? Hey, isn't Uh, Mike Trout a free agent? Can we can we uh shoehorn Mike Trout into this podcast again? I think he's a free agent in twenty twenty. Yeah. No, I think
2: Chew would block him. Yeah, Shut
0: no. up. Uh, We did not have any space for him You people You heard it here first uh, Hated <laughs> once Francisco Cervelli
1: In 2020 And he's in a block Mike Trout for it So eh he's a, uh, Trout's a free agent in 2021 Yeah so. Not even
0: available God, What an amateur podcast this is mm. This is nonsense
1: I not we, time with the we right get
0: paid, paid for this <laughs> Make it so much money too if anybody would like to uh, return their money for this podcast, uh, it's a very simple uh, transaction. You have to contact at John Blake, and you just complain <laughs> that the Rangers are not providing their return on the side of this deal, and it's very simple. He'll help you out.
1: I, I, this is completely off topic. I do like to mess with John Blake on Twitter from time to time. He seems Just like a very
0: mess-withable person.
1: Right, right. So, for example, and he always tweets out, like, whatever uh, color jerseys the team's wearing. Right. So it was, like, Thursday or Friday, he was like, Rangers will be wearing white jerseys tonight. And I replied, and I was like, well, what color pants? And he never, <laughs> he never got back to me. And so I think that's going to be my new thing. I'm going to start asking him about the pants every single day and see how long it takes <laughs> for me to get a response. You or, to right. <laughs> or to get blocked. Or to get blocked. Yeah. Uh, do you, I, I don't think either of you got. Well, Max, you live in not Texas, but yep. um, neither of you listen to uh,
2: The Fan. In, I do occasionally. Dallas. Okay. Um, you, you, you want to hear something funny? Just yeah. to go off on a brief tangent. Yeah. Okay, so Ben and Skin, you know those yeah, guys? Yeah, I love those
1: guys. That's, that, those, are, that's, those are my guys. Okay. Ooh, your guys. Oh, My guys. Okay.
2: I actually yeah. went to Bertner, the same school they went to, and I was friends with their older siblings. No way. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So Ben Rogers, oh. older brother, Tony Rogers, was a very good friend of mine, and then Skin, his uh, older sister, Gretchen Wade, I was actually on student council with her. So oh. local tie. Yeah. My for brush sure. with greatness, so to speak. <laughs> hey hey Mike. Yeah. Hey
0: Mike. Yeah. You wanna you wanna bring one on our podcast? Not, not Ben and Skin. I mean, like, the siblings. The siblings. The siblings. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like it.
0: Tony and like Gretchen, it. bring them on down. <laughs> That's I'll, funny. I'll see if they're available. Like, I'm not even really kidding. That would actually be kind of funny. It would be very, like, a meta way of running a, oh, uh, an interview session.
2: Rogers and Wade. To- Tony, say, is yeah. Actually, yeah. Tony is actually ridiculously more successful than Ben. He's like...
1: Oh yeah, they they talk about it
2: on the air a lot. He's a way higher up with uh, Walmart, like uh, VP of, of sales or something. I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he there does you. well. He does yeah. well. I think he has a uh, I think he has his own personal jet. Yeah, he's okay. Oh yeah, that sounds fine. That sounds <laughs> Anyways,
1: fine. the reason why I brought up these guys, which also I guess I should say uh, they uh, Jared Sandler and Ben Rogers do have a podcast too called Spitballin'. Um, It's a lot shorter and a little bit more serious because Jared Sandler's on it, Um, but you should listen to that It comes out once a week, so it's easier to listen to and they talk about some good stuff and Jared Sandler is the goat So listen to that spitballing Um, But anyways, uh, KT on that show. He does a really good (laughs) really good John Blake impression If you ever have heard John Blake talk at a press conference of like no further questions Any questions? yeah Yeah. it's great so that's what I was thinking of so he's just a very mess-withable guy so please if you listen to this just uh, ask ask John Blake about the pants so that I'm not alone in that crusade and we'll see we'll just see what
2: happens it's experiment. no 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 you stick to the pants I'm gonna start asking about the socks Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Sounds good. (laughs) We've had some good socks, though, recently. Gallo
0: has been rocking the high socks again. I dig it. I love it every time. I know Guzman typically does that. I like it when Delino does it. I like the high socks. I do, too. I'm I'm a big sucker for those. I do, too. I love those. And related, I'm a big sucker for Hans Kraus in the stirrups and socks. That was a good look. I like the stirrups. Krauss is... uh, he looks like a hobgoblin. Like, he's this big, <laughs> lumpy. I mean, I'm not wrong. He's this, like, big, lumpy, long-limbed dude. You see him come off the mound, and he's just, like, Hur-hur-hur. he kind of hunches over, and he's got yeah. this high the high stirrups, and then his long arms, and he, he hunches when he walks. And I I love it. Like, I really want to see that guy just, like, pelvic thrusting and fist punch, like, all of it. I want to see all of it coming off the mound after striking out the side in a ALCS game for Texas in
2: 2021. Like, I want man. to see you say these things to his face, and I want to watch him kick your ass.
0: <laughs> I mean, I would say this to his face because I think it's fantastic. I absolutely love, for real. I love the way he pitches. I like a guy who comes out there and just. Plays the way he wants to play. We've talked about it yes. a little bit on this podcast for Jose Leclerc and Keone Kella and guys who just sort of pitch mad and Kraus pitches mad and he pitches the way he pitches. It, a lot of guys comp him and by guys I mean prospect anal- uh, analysts, scouts, you know the, the folks who make their names in looking at minor league kids. He gets a lot of Chris Sale comparisons, Herky Jerky. Great strikeout stuff, maybe bad mechanics, maybe a questionable attitude. Chris Sale is arguably the best pitcher in baseball. I wouldn't make that argument, but he's arguably the best pitcher in baseball. You can make the argument that Chris Sale is the most valuable starter in the game. I love that stuff. I like the way that Krauss just pitches like a maniac. He pitches like a guy who has never been told this is how a, you know a pitcher works. I like that stuff. He comes off the mound pumped. Like, he looks happy that he struck a dude out. He looks proud of himself. It's not, you know, quote unquote, the way the game is played. It's not, you know, playing baseball the right way. I love it. I like that kind of stuff. I like that animation. I like how much he cares about the team, about how much he cares about the game. That stuff really appeals to me. And I really would like to see that in a Texas uniform. I want to see him coming off the mound just pumping his fists and eh, maybe a little bit of pelvic thrust in the opposing dugout. I like it. Like, I'm legitimately a big
1: fan of that stuff. Without question. Huge fan. Huge fan of the emotion because that's that's how... That's what I would do if I was playing a game and I guess personal preference. But like, he's he's really good at what he does and it's an emotional and it's a difficult game and if you have success I mean there is some decorum in sportsmanship mm-hmm. but I am well, he's not the, just like
0: throwing he's not cussing right. folks out yeah. and just like flipping the bird to everybody something like uh, what was that uh, the TV show a couple years back with uh, Danny McBride
1: Oh, uh, Eastbound and Down?
2: Yeah, he's
0: not Eastbound and Downing these dudes.
2: He's not like... highly underrated show, by the way. Right, yeah.
0: (laughs) He's not like insulting their mothers and then like sleeping with their younger sisters or something. Like, he's he's, he's doing it, quote, sort of the right way. I just like it. I dig that stuff. I think it's very fun. And... The effectively wild guys got into this uh, a week or two ago on their show, talking about the marketability of baseball players and that a lot of them are just really, really boring, very groomed dudes who are told. Just good old boys. It's a combination of like good old boy and then guys who are told by their agents and their marketers and their money men, like, don't make an ass of yourself on the internet, which that's good advice.
1: Good advice for us all
0: Straight up Like I could do less of that We all could But I think they take it to extremes Like Mike Trout for example Apparently is a pretty personable guy Folks who have talked to him Who have worked with him Really like him They think he's pretty cool Other than the weather thing Do you know a single thing about Mike Trout He likes the Eagles And he likes yep. weather What else?
1: I <sighs> think he got married He did And his he's wife He's He's fast. That's, that's the baseball, Mike. <laughs> 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 that's the thing, though.
0: Like a lot of the guys who are big stars in baseball are are very um, curated. They're very yeah. protected. They, they mm-hmm. keep and like, I get that. You know, you see guys in the NBA or the NFL who get dragged constantly because they're uh, they're they're big. You know, I'm a sorry. I'm a I'm a New York Giants fan, and so Odell Beckham oh, Jr. Right? Oh dear. I had my, my dad, my granddad, they're all upstate New York. I got into the Giants when I was young. I was, I was corrupted horribly. And then they went and won a couple of Super Bowls. It was pretty fun. But Odell Beckham Jr. is a guy who gets destroyed for his persona, for whatever you want to say about it. And you can say what you want about what that means about his, his play, but I think a lot of baseball guys have been taught since Little League, since Babe Ruth, that that's not how it goes in baseball you don't get to be a guy you don't get to be a big personality guy and i think it's kind of hurting the sport not not really hurting the sport in terms of long-term stuff baseball will always be said to be dying and will always be proved to be quite alive but you know we don't have a lebron james we don't
2: have uh, some of these these bigger profile guys. Yes, we do. We do have a LeBron James. His name is Mike Trout. He's ah. just not marketed correctly, and he doesn't market himself. And that's the
0: difference. LeBron markets himself aggressively, in a good way. I think. I think. I mean, I, I'm not taking it away from LeBron at all. Who just signed with the Lakers today? By the way, four years, Crazy. 154 million. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna get paid. He's gonna get paid baseball money to play basketball. That's pretty cool. Like uh, sure. Trout is careful. He's calculated socially. I have no idea what he is like as a person, but his social media personalities, his media representation is nothing at all like LeBron or Jordan in the 90s, who was big. Jordan, the closest to me, is Griffey. Griffey was out there he was marketed. He was a little bit more aggressive about these things. And he got dragged for it. And then he got hurt. And I think it kind of screwed over some of the perspectives on his career as he got into his 30s. I'm a big fan of some of these kids who are coming up who are more willing to have some fun. Like, get out there and just, you know, play the game the way they want to play it. You know, I'm, a, I'm a, an unabashed old Puig fan. I don't know if y'all saw him... Uh, uh, he was on second base, was a grand ball to the second baseman into the shift. Guy couldn't get the ball out of his glove. Puig danced around third base, broke for home, ended up beating a throw because it was a lazy toss back to first and the first baseman, couldn't throw him out of the plate. It was, uh, and he, he got up and he celebrated really, really hard afterwards. And it was a, a brash and, um, let's say, non-conservative <laughs> celebration. Yeah. I love that stuff. I like it. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm here for it. There's ways to celebrate that are not showing up other teams. Which, looking at you, Jose Bautista, uh, mm-hmm. there are ways to do that stuff that I think are really, really fun and don't take away from the game at all. I don't think they're disrespectful. And so when I see Hans Krause come off the mound in high school or with Spokane and just be pumped because he struck a bunch of dudes out because he's good, I like it. And I, would, I, would, I want to see that more in you know in my league, in the bigs, soon.
2: I agree. We we have to do something to get the the younger kids more excited about the game. And I don't know, baseball just <clears throat> it's like they they don't even put any thought into it. it, it it's it's mind boggling to me sometimes how they just kind of sit on their hands and say, "Well, the product in the field is going to speak for itself." And I don't know that that's always going to be the case. And I really wish they would do more because it it does worry me that the game could actually be dying.
0: It seems so mechanical at times, so rote that there are these games, there are these players, we talk about them in a very particular way. They play in a very particular way and we all go home. And that's not really how like sports are to me. When you when you play the game, baseball or football or soccer or basketball or hockey, whatever you're into, the reason we play these games, the reason we like these games, is because they're different and they breathe and they live. And I feel that the MLBs and just baseball beyond the majors, just as a, a sport kind of conceptually across the country and across maybe the world, but especially in the United States, has like such a weird... Culture and sort of ethos to it that it kind of takes away from some of this having fun playing it. Um, like, you're kind of told not to have fun. So, of course, people don't have fun watching it and playing it. And it's weird to me because I had a lot of fun playing baseball. <laughs> I think yeah. you guys did. We have a podcast where we talk about baseball. I'm pretty sure all three of us really liked
1: baseball. Yeah, I, I had ice. fun playing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this... This is actually really getting interesting to me. Um, just this talk about uh, beyond marketing, like just kind of like the 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 feel of the game, the ethos of the game, um, and the fact that it is so like reverent and clings to the past. Uh, Reverent's a you know, really good the word his- there. Yeah, with with the history of the game, with um, Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth. Um, Sandy Koufax, uh, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, going decade by decade, there is a there is a myth that goes along with, oh man, but you should have seen Willie Mays, greatest player I've ever seen play, or yeah. you should have seen Ty Cobb, or and, and part of it is also because the game is so old, um, for certain eras that the documentation isn't even that good, so that kind of even leads more to myths. I mean, look at the t- way that Ty Cobb is perceived. Um, if you want to see an example of that, mm-hmm. in the mid-bit. it's very up and down. Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, I'm I'm 25, so I'm square, right square in the middle of being a millennial and like kind of the youth and and whatever um, that would, you know, supposedly have a short attention span and thinks that baseball is too boring. Um, but I don't see that. I, I I would like to see the game change as far as the way that it like, operates within its space to, you know, maybe untie its shoes a little bit and stay a while, mm-hmm. prop up its feet, have <laughs> more fun. Um, but I also... Enjoy yourself, you know? Yeah.
0: Relax.
1: As a... But, like, to my core and, like, fundamentally the way that I love baseball, it is in a traditional sense. Um, like, I... Some unwritten, unwritten rules are dumb, but I... Th- think that there's a lot of value in them so i feel like i'm right in the middle which is really i really need to like spend some time thinking about this and i would love to hear smarter people and maybe baseball historians talk about it um where the game presently is at especially with social media and you know the 24-hour news cycle or the 10-minute news cycle Mm -hmm. and highlights and west coast games and east coast and the yankees and payrolls and and everything um Exposure and and contracts and labor negotiations and threat of lockout. I mean, all of this stuff is so um, at like kind of at a critical juncture uh, potentially. And yet it doesn't have the it seems like the, the, the powers that be with baseball and kind of the keepers of the keys, perhaps even at this critical juncture, don't have the flexibility to change. And I don't know if that is a. I think it's ultimately a bad thing, but I don't think that we should also go with the waves of, say, the NBA or the NFL um, and and kind of make it to where the tradition isn't as much part of the game. Um, I mean, think about the NFL. The, 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 really, the history goes back to, like, um, Vince Lombardi, and anything before that wasn't... We don't really know about that stuff. It's not, like, held tightly as lore, but we know about, like... Um, um, like I said Ty Cobb and, and uh, Honus Wagner and players like that mm-hmm. that are so beyond ancient but we still love them um, it's it's interesting and I, that was a little drum solo full of like no yep. point but uh, yeah that's well, that's just I've something got, to chew on I've got a take on it
0: but yeah. Mike if you've got a response to it I'd, yeah, I'd love to hear that. Like as the as the counter generational guy here,
2: as the octogenarian of the group,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. as a yeah.
2: token nineteenth century aficionado.
0: Yeah, no, I <laughs> tell I'm, us about the days before you know power and running water. Stop.
2: <laughs> no, I, I enjoy the tradition of baseball, and I don't like things to change so much. I. I mean there's a part of me that that wishes the the DH had never been introduced. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean it's that's that's crazy because the DH is way more exciting than allowing pitchers to go up to to the plate and flail madly and, and yeah, yeah there've been some great changes. I, I don't like the the pace of change that's happening currently. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, because I do embrace the the tradition, um, but I do want it, the game to be better, and I am I'm, I'm not so stubborn that I say nothing should change. Because I, 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 earlier, you know, before the, the podcast, I, was, I said to you guys, I was watching the the Frisco game and watching Jonathan Hernandez pitch, and I love the fact that. He just kept delivering the ball to the plate, and it was because he had a pitch clock. And they were talking on the on the broadcast, and they were saying that even if they didn't introduce a pitch clock at the major league level, which I think they will eventually. Eventually, yeah. But these young kids, they're coming out of that environment, and they're already conditioned to that.
1: Right. And they're thinking
2: yeah. that's that's how they're going to pitch, and it actually. I mean, you can you can make the argument for or against, but it may give the pitcher the advantage to keep the the hitter, you know, on their heels, going. Okay, when is this coming? Is it's coming right now? I don't have time to adjust. And 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 so I, I just want the game to be healthy, and I, I, don't, I don't want it to be stagnant, and I don't want it to be forgotten, mm-hmm. which I feel like it has been to a certain extent compared to. The NFL, which has, you know, taken over everything, it's 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 the evil empire in my, in my opinion, but it's a big old
0: blob that just keeps spreading. Yeah,
2: yeah. but you know, concussions are gonna are, are gonna be the end of that sport. <sighs> yeah. So football is gonna. We, we, we should to have to wait it to out, itself, yeah. and, and it's, it's gonna go away, and and then baseball will come back. But you know, I mean, and then you've got the NBA, which they. Are dominating the youth market. I mean, oh yeah, they talk They're about community. yeah, destroying yeah. The, it. the 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 Twitter followers of, of these NBA guys. It's it's insane compared to any other sport. You just want to remain relevant. I just mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't want some bastardization of the sport that I grew up watching, but I do want it to be something that continues to evolve mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And in and, and keeping it shorter, I think is is probably a good thing. I like the pitch clock idea. I the think that clock it should work. be used. I don't yeah. think it's,
0: I don't th- and, like, to your point. I don't know that it needs to be used at the major league level. I think you know inculcating this kind of thing at the minor league level uh, gets the point across. It's like banning um, chewing tobacco. The majors don't have a ban on it, to my knowledge, but the minors do. So you know the kids, quote unquote, are no longer using chewing tobacco they're not allowed to have it you can't have it in your pockets you, you can't have it on the field and so that culture doesn't get you know worked into these guys coming mm-hmm. up so when they're on the big league teams when they're you know role models for kids and when they're you know having to play and not get mouth cancers they're not using chewing tobacco and yeah you know, that rules I think instituted in the 2000s I want to say and it's been very successful. You're seeing fewer and fewer players every year. who, And maybe that's related also to more cultural understanding, societal understanding of what chewing tobacco does and how it's bad for you. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's both things at once. But putting some of these rules in the minor leagues, it changes the way that the guys think about it when they get to the bigs. And that's important. You know, that that that's what establishes the new cultures.
1: Yeah. I, I, I do agree on, on both of those counts that starting it in the minor leagues is going to be go a long way in making those changes be not radical in, mm-hmm. the, in, the, in the major leagues because I mean with, you know, with the culture and the tradition and the superstition of players and all that stuff, um, you say, well, why would you make me throw with a pitch clock? And I would love to know what percentage of pitchers pitching now in the major leagues have not pitched with a pitch clock at any level. Um, I would say that a lot have, so it's really not that big of a deal to implement one. And I think that that change will probably have. If I had to guess, it'd be this off season, and um, and I don't think it's going to change the game a lot. Just like the the six mound visits rule hasn't changed a single thing about the game. Um, so um, one thing that I think is interesting. Uh, Are kind of an interesting little um, element to all of these proposed changes and maybe where the game's going to head in the next five to ten years and what the culture's going to be in terms of on-the-field culture and clubhouse culture and player culture and kind of fan interaction culture. Because I was thinking about that whenever you brought up the NBA and how, like (laughs) – the off season for the NBA is exciting and I don't even watch the NBA that much (laughs) Um, but like the NBA off season is exciting Um, it's because they've like made a culture around it of I don't know exactly how they did it they're brilliant and they have a good product and they have exciting players but they they were able to make a product or sorry, to make a culture uh, to where like you are invested in like the Kawhi saga and where LeBron is heading and You know, all this kind of stuff. And KD, do you you think he's a snake, or do you think that he's one of the best players? All that kind of stuff. They embrace it all, and it 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 spreads well and positively. Um, But I think that cultural difference is actually a big one, and I mean that very much in like a very
0: little C cultural. I I mean, yeah, I think it's very easy to get lazy about these comparisons and say something about like, well, the culture is the NBA has. Taken a very aggressive and particular stance towards approaching millennials, for example, or, or whatever they've They've, done, they've staked out a position and they're they're pushing it, and I think they've done a very good job of pushing that. So I think it speaks to some of the characters of the players they have. Players are encouraged to be demonstrative and mm-hmm. and personalities. You know, guys who aren't even star players. You know, role players are encouraged to have. Instagram personalities and, and Twitter personalities or yeah. Facebook or whatever it is and they're they're out there and they're they're building a brand for themselves and that's just the nature of the game and it's never been the nature of the game in baseball. Baseball players are are stolid and mm. and quiet and they're yeah, they're they're like they've adopted this persona of being working men, despite baseball having a, a very up and down history with the upper and lower classes through its existence. Yeah. You know, baseball has at times been a simply a rich man's sport, and then it became very much a poor man's sport and was dominated by lower and working class persons. And now it has transitioned again into being a sport that you have to have money to play. You know, it's very hard to be on a traveling team if you don't have money. You mm-hmm. can't be on a good team. You can't be going to a good high school and playing on good club teams if you don't have cash. You know, it's, it's different. And it's a different approach. I, I think I like some of what the NBA does. I like some of what baseball does. Um, I think I have a, a slightly different take from both of you when it comes to you know, sort of what, why I like baseball and where it works into my life. And that I'm a little bit older than you, Hayden, and I got into baseball a little bit earlier. Um, and I'm a little bit younger than you, Mike. And, and I can in some ways, work in between. For me, as, again, a millennial, I like baseball because it's sort of traditional. I like the fact that, unlike a lot of the crap that I have to deal with in my life of managing constant tweets and emails and text messages and all of this stuff, that baseball is slow and it's deliberate and it's yeah. traditional and that it's predictable. You know, it, it starts at seven and it runs for three-ish hours and there's nine innings and the rules haven't changed in, in probably too long. And the players all wear the same pajamas and they all have the same you know, non-existent personalities on the internet. Some of that's kind of reassuring. And I think that's the way yeah. with a couple of my friends who are also very much millennial types who I, I think on some level appreciate the fact that baseball isn't as frenetic and as kinetic as some of the other um, interests are. It's not Fortnite. You don't have to keep up with patch notes for Dota 2 or League of Legends or Team Fortress or whatever is is you're playing these days. I'm not up with the kids, apparently. I like that element. I like the fact that it's kind of a throwback and that it yeah. allows me to not have to be super plugged into 400 different inputs. I can just watch the game and it looks like it looked like when I was five. There's Mm. shifts now. (laughs) And (laughs) everybody throws 103, but it's the same game. It's the same basic concept. That's reassuring. And I think that's where baseball sort of sweet spot is. I think it's always been a reassuringly traditional game and yet a game that is not simply lost in its past. You know, there's always been updates uh, from The shift is a big thing now, but different ways of pitching and different ways of setting up lineups and Mm -hmm. the DH or whatever it is, baseball is always adjusted. It's always kind of kept up. That's true, but it's been very traditional. I think that's actually something that isn't simply a demerit. I think it's a valuable point. Something I like about it for sure. Oh
1: yeah, I think it's something that we all love about it and just the, the way that and that's even to the point and we can talk about this we definitely actually should on a, on a future podcast uh, related to this subject for sure about proposed rule changes and things that we've read online about either from Manfred or from Buster only or whomever and um, one of the things I won't get into any specific examples because it's time to wrap this thing up mm-hmm. but um, one of the things that I'm worried about uh, like for example if they change the strike zone well, I, there you go. I just brought up an example. Sorry, but how that affects the, you know, the the strikeout and the walk numbers and the offensive numbers, and how that relates to like the history of the game and the the records. It'd be like if you moved the fences, you know, twenty feet closer or twenty feet further, you know, the home run records are going to be completely different.
2: And so, spoiler like, spoiler alert, they do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's up too. to it's up to the individual no, uh, uh, ball club their well, stadium I know, yeah. I know that
1: and and so to me there's and I recognize that like I recognize that they lowered the mound um, in the 60s and I know that they changed the, they have changed the number of games in the season a couple of times so I guess my fears are somewhat unfounded but I still worry about the way that this modern game and the game going forward would relate st- literally statistically and on paper to the games of the past, even though it's completely different um, just inherently with the, the all of the technology and like the different kinds of bats and balls and everything else. Um, nobody's
2: playing at polo grounds anymore. But... Um, I just, but you, want, you want to know something cool, though?
1: Go, yeah, go ahead.
2: The rules that they haven't changed, the things that they haven't changed, that still... Come into play, and the, to me, this is what makes this game so timeless. It's 90 feet from home to first base. Yeah, and that's just enough time to get a guy out if he can't get the ball past an infielder most of the time, unless he's really, really fast. Th- that to me is fascinating that that has not changed in 120 years the
0: basic mechanics of the game don't mm-hmm. shift around that much you throw the ball you hit the ball you catch the ball yeah, and you th- throw the ball again
2: yeah and I love it's that
0: cool. there's a predictability to it there's like um, a sense of consistency that's there that's very valuable I think to a lot of people I think it's valuable across generations uh, I find it valuable and then it's a sense of just sort of consistency in my life that's up and down and crazy and all sorts of things are happening, and then I, I know I can just turn on a baseball game and see baseball, and it'll look like baseball. And that's cool. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that uh, for the rest of my life. I'm looking forward to doing that. Exactly. Not yeah. so much the next two games, as Texas welcomes the Houston Astros to town. We've got a couple of games. The last two games... Uh, uh, for Astros in Arlington this year, we've got a three-game series with them in July. But these are the last five; the, those three games and these upcoming two. That's it. We're done. We are done with Houston by like mid-July, I think. Which is wild, just crazy to me.
1: Yeah, it's kind of good. I noticed that when the schedules came out, but mm-hmm. it it uh. Yeah, it, that's, that is weird, and it makes me think maybe maybe don't let the computers make the the schedules one hundred percent of the time. Because like, it's what a if this weird. was like, what if we were in a like in a division title chase and like we didn't play each other the last two and a half months of the season? It's very strange. It's kinda, anyways, play Houston. Yeah. They're good. We're we better. have we're we're better. We have some bright spots, and we're gonna hit. We're gonna play offense. Ruggie's gonna get better. We can get into that in the future, but he's playing better. He might be. Uh, not a total negative offensively which I would take that <laughs> I would take that
0: boy howdy he's playing better I mean just very very briefly he, he came back into the lineup on the 11th of May he's been kind of mediocre and by mediocre I mean bad overall since then but in June he's got a 108 WRC plus that's good and over the last two weeks that WRC plus is up to 128 that's quite good He's in that span over forty-four plate appearances spanning two seventy-five, three forty one, five hundred. Solid. Hopefully this is the Rugned that we have, and it's not a bad Rugned. And let's hope that uh he, he gets the opportunity to feast a little bit off of Astros pitching in this series. We get Dallas versus Austin in game one. Dallas Keikel, Austin Bibbins Dirks. Bibbins Dirks has more and better letters in his name, therefore, I think he should win. And then Wednesday, Lance McCullers and Mike Minor. Hopefully, Lance just serves up some weirdo softball dingers to Rigned, and Mike Minor continues the very promising yeah. start that he had the last time around. So, two games, nice and short, and then we'll get more games against the American League Central. What's up, Detroit Tigers? <laughs> <laughs> So let's see if we can pick some up against Houston just to screw them. Dallas Keuchel has been actually pretty bad this year, so maybe it's our time.
1: Let's do it. Let's just keep it rolling. Winning is fun. Winning is better than losing. Um, we've talked about that before. It's it's kind of obvious. And uh, the scoring runs has been fun. Pitching's been pretty good. Defense has been good. Delino De Shields might be the best outfielder in all of baseball. Uh, a lot of <sighs> positive things to watch for. Glad to be podcasting about it. Glad to have you listening to us. And uh, this is Rangers Rundown. You can follow us on Twitter, obviously, at that same name. We do have personal accounts as well in the bio there. Um, and if you do enjoy it, then please make sure that you tell your friends. Also tweet at John Blake. Ask him about the pants. Um, he will find me in his mentions. So uh, that will be a good meetup point for us all. Let's yeah. just meet, meet there
0: <laughs> let's everyone get together let's just uh, let's convene in John Blake's mention. set your watches I have the time it doesn't matter we'll, we'll all meet up there you know where to find us
1: yeah just a couple hours before the game and uh, we'll just just messing with John and it's all in love but it's also fun so we'll mm-hmm. see we'll see who gets blocked first <laughs> All right. Well, that's about going to do it for us here on the Rangers Rundown.
0: So, y'all have a good night, and go Rangers! And happy Fourth of July. Yeah! Yeah. Go Crabats! Go Demarcus Evans!
1: Yeah!